Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Run Dot Down. I'm your host, Schwinn, because Sam is lazy and Jeff can't watch this game uh, at his house. He has to watch it at a bar because he's an alcoholic. No, uh, because he doesn't get the broadcast <laughs> at home. Uh, <laughs> um, so the Knicks emerged victorious, 122-108 over the Hornets. Jalen Brunson, 26 points in the first half. DiVincenzo finished with, I believe, 25. He hit seven threes tonight. Um, just a really, really spectacular a spectacular performance from him. Um, but we're going we're gonna to talk about all that. Before we do that, do have to make sure everybody knows that online is our sponsor. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With that, will be postseason NFL and college football and NHL in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to the Bet Online app today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, yeah, this was. Uh, I would. I, I don't want to say it was a walk in the park, but it's the second consecutive wire-to-wire victory the Knicks have had. And I think the best thing you could say about this is that, or about this team right now, is that we, I don't think we've still yet had a game where everybody's kind of had it going. But um, you've getting, you're getting different people to step up every single night. And um, most importantly, Brunson's starting to catch a rhythm. Uh, you know, he's kind of got off to a slow start this season, but these last four or five games, I think um, the shooting touch is coming around. He's been on a heater from three, but tonight he had the mid-range going tonight too. Um, so really good to see. And also like DiVincenzo, look, let me just say, I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not ready to say uh, <laughs> bench Grimes, but he's certainly making a case for himself right now. Dante is. Uh, he's been awesome and um, really just can't say enough about how good he was tonight. And just, I think he's adding a lot to this group uh, with how he's played and, and kind of how he's turning up. So um, what did you think of the tonight's game, Con? Um, <clears throat> I want to just preface what I'm going to say with, like, I, I really locked in after the first quarter just because I had some stuff going on. I was watching it on a stream. Um, but with that starting line comment specifically, I think Dante just knows how to score with those other guys who demand the ball more way better than Grimes does. I, I think – you know, it's nothing to say that, like, he's a better player than Grimes or, you know, wherever you fall in the spectrum with that. I don't care, honestly. Um, but he knows how to pick spots way better. And he's not gunshot to just rise up and shoot, which we all wish Grimes did more, but he doesn't seem to be comfortable doing it that much. And I don't think you lose much defense, if any at all, by benching Grimes. I think in the long run, it might even be better for Grimes to just – get a little more comfortable on the ball and off the bench, you know, kind of sharing ball handling duties a quick. Um, yeah. And I think the main thing, you know, to go back to what you're talking about Dante with starters, it's not just about being gun shy. I think he just like Grimes. I've been, I've actually talked about this a little bit, but like I haven't really liked Grimes's movement off the ball. Like it feels like, yes, you're spotting up in the corner, that doesn't mean when Julius or when Jalen or whenever anybody 
is putting the ball on the floor, RJ, quick, whoever it is, that you just have to stand there stationary. You've got to make yourself open. You've got to find angles. And <clears throat> I just feel like he hasn't done that. Like, I just feel like he's very, been very, very stationary off ball. And, you know, we can sit here and be like, well, you know, that's the offense and blah, blah, blah. But, like, I think you've seen evidence down through two games with DiVincenzo in there that, like, hey, look, like, are you going to get 15 shots? Are you going to get to put the ball on the deck a bunch? No. But there's definitely more scope for getting usage up than Grimes is kind of making himself available for right now. And, you know, I- I'm not going to say it's all Grimes' fault. I'm not going to say that, you know, look, we've also played the fucking Wizards and the Hornets. Okay, so, like, like you know, we can pump the brakes here a little bit. We don't need to act like this proves everything. We have a long and a, and a big sample of Grimes with that starting group being a really, really significant positive. So, like, I'm not ready to just throw that away just because DiVincenzo had two really nice games and tonight was awesome um, against two of the worst teams in the NBA, quite frankly. But but um, I think you at least saw an example of, hey, Quentin, like, we need to see some of this from you. And, and you know, one thing that there's, – there's two things I've noticed with DiVincenzo, especially in these last two games, that we haven't always seen with from Grimes. One is obviously the – like, he'll catch the ball, guy will close out to him, and he's still comfortable shooting with a hand in his face. I'm not saying Grimes isn't – I've seen Grimes do that, but he seems a lot more hesitant to call his own number in those situations than I've seen from DiVincenzo. The other thing I think that's very, very noticeable is DiVincenzo is not some amazing ball handler. But he definitely gives you a little bit more juice with that group. Um, you know, when that ball comes to the second side and you want, and Randall wants to run DHO with DiVincenzo, there's a little bit more action going on there than when he does it with Grimes, because it just feels like Grimes in all those situations, he comes up, he comes off the the screen, and then like if he doesn't have a clean look, he's not even looking to put the ball on the floor at all. Um, even if it's not to get all the way to the rim, even if it's just to create a pocket pass back to Julius. We actually saw that a couple t- times today from, from Dante. So, like, there's just stuff that I think I wouldn't, like, look, if Grimes is healthy next game, I wouldn't really feel comfortable just being like, well, guess what, dude? You lost your job. Like, I, I don't think that's fair. But I do think it's a sign, like, it's, you can point to some things here very tangibly, right? If you're the coaching staff, somebody going over film with them, being like, hey, look, bud, like, see these things that he did in this in these couple of games? These are things you can do and need to do. You know, we need you to do that. Uh, but, yeah, look, this was just a really, really awesome performance from DiVincenzo. And got to be said, I mean, Brunson, just fucking awesome today. Really, really nice. Yeah, and I, like, I, I love praising JB. I love praising Dante. Um, I want to bring this up. From Jordan Bubb. Mitch Robb leading the NBA in offensive rebounds now by over 25. If my math checks out, which I'm 99,000% sure it does. Um, and then this is something I, I looked up because I wanted to uh, I wanted to make sure before I got on here. So 70 defensive rebounds, 78 offensive rebounds, averaging six per game, more than anyone in the 21st century. Um, what I looked up was Mitch Robb is pacing for over 480 offensive rebounds this season, which would be the fifth most in the history of the NBA in a season, going back to the inception of basketball. We are seeing the most dominant rebounder maybe since, like, I don't know, Dennis Rodman, 
Because I guarantee uh, you, if I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, you, you can speak I, better I have, I, that than not. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would. <laughs> I, I'm not ready to go there. Um, but like, I mean, you want to see it for a longer like period of time, right? Um, but like, the numbers at least make that. It's not okay. an outrageous statement. Yeah, it's not an outrageous yeah. statement at all. Uh, and then I also think like those numbers would be way higher if Julius Randle wasn't playing like playing next to him. Like not not a shot at Julius. Like you know I'm not going to fault him for going hard after boards too, but he does a lot of cleanup after Mitch does dirty work, and that's been discussed a whole lot on various different you know pods, whatever. So we all know that that's true. Um, and then he had four blocks. I mean, he continues to climb up the block leaderboard in Knicks history. I, I don't, I don't know where he ranks right now. I know he moves up the third for total rebounds. I'm telling you one thing: he'll never catch some of these old, old head centers. Just yeah, like he won't, yeah. back then, this the block numbers. Like, if anybody, I don't. It, people probably like you guys are, you guys are babies, so you don't look at the uh, the true grades of the game. No, I'm just kidding. But like, if you look at like, if you look at some of these like older centers, man, like some numbers like Hakeem and. Robinson and Ewing were putting up block numbers. Like you just won't get that now because the game is so different. You know, like how you're not going to get blocks when to that degree when what like forty percent of the shots in a game are threes, right? It's just yeah. not going to happen. But yeah, like he he's as good as anybody right now in the modern era for sure. And one other thing that I uh, that I one other stat I searched up was he's pacing for this season to end up with around nine hundred fifty total rebounds. That would put him. Uh, let me see what I wrote down over here. A- the 18th best rebounding season since small ball started and really took off in 2015. So he is like, you know, people talk about, oh, don't you can't put him over Gobert because Gobert has the track record. Can't put him over XYZ because they've done it for longer. Like, no, man, Mitch, Mitch Robinson, it's like Jokic, Bam, who am I missing? And in, in like that top center conversation. Jokic, Bam, um, <clears throat> um, Embiid, Embiid. I mean, those three to me are like. I think Jokic is in his own fucking tier, yeah, bracket, yeah, whatever you want to call it. And then I would, I would put Bam in the same tier as Embiid right now. I know most people will be like, "That's crazy." Oh I no, I agree, bro. That's I agree with that full, full heartedly. Yeah. I, I would. I, I personally think Bam's just an easier fit to on like most teams. Um, but whatever, that's a totally different conversation. But like after those three. I think you can have the conversation. Like the, the conversation exists yeah. after that guy. Um, I know Sabonis is always a weird one because it's like he's so good on offense, but then defensively you're like, well, what do you do around here? Um, In a playoff series, I think he would pull Sabonis's pants down. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things. And and also like, look at the end of the like the the limitations with Mitch. I don't think we should gloss over them. Like, I do think that when you get to later rounds, of the playoffs and stuff as we saw against Miami, right? Like they game plan to take away Mitch and they were successful in doing it to a large degree because he can't, he doesn't have the all around skill set to like overcome some of that stuff. But I think what needs to be said is they game plan for him. Like, like you had a second round opponent coached by Eric Spolstra, probably the best coach in the league game planning significantly to take away Mitchell Robinson. That should tell you, everything that you need to know about him as a player. So like 
you can tell me all about, oh, well, he can't short roll pass, and I would like if he could make free throws better and had a mid-range jumper and whatever the fuck. Like, I don't really give a shit, dude. Give me the elite skills. Give me the elite offensive rebounding. Give me the elite defensive rebounding. Give me the elite rim protection. And and he's become an actual good screen setter now. Like, that's a massive yes. development for him. So um, I, I really don't care about the stuff that he's not good at, especially on his contract. Um, I think it's if he has issues and holes as a player that can be exploited in certain matchups, then it's incumbent on the front office and the coaching staff to develop options to pivot to when that arises. Um, because, and I think we have that. Yeah, sure. I, I think we have options. You know, like I do think we could use like a big wing. Obviously, we've talked, everybody's talked about this forever. Um, I actually, I, I can't believe I'm just going to throw this out there because I was thinking about this today. I think like weirdly, Kelly Olynyk would be an interesting add to me, um, just like as a stretch five option, and somebody who's like an actual five, um, just if you wanted that look. Because I don't think Hartenstein's a stretch five, and Tibbs clearly doesn't trust Julius to play the five at all. So um, it is what it is. Anyway, I don't want to go too deep into like, you know, r- roster stuff. But yeah, th- this was just a really good game, and like it says something about this team that. I don't think RJ, RJ didn't have a good game. Quickly didn't have a good game. And you won by 14 on the second night of a back-to-back. Granted, Charlotte did also play a back. They're, they're on the second night of a back-to-back also. They didn't travel. Um, but the Knicks are also in their fourth game, I believe, in five days. Yes. Like that. Uh, um, I think it's four and six days. Something like that. Whatever it is. But they, they're in a little bit of a murderer's row kind of stretch here. So um, for them to also this and – and, like, they – didn't have RJ last night, you know, like they basically played. I mean, I guess they played nine guys because Fournier got minutes for whatever reason, but, uh, but like they, they played shorthanded and um, they played shorthanded. They closed out Atlanta shorthanded and they're technically shorthanded again tonight. So like the fact that they are not just winning these games against bad teams, but they have absolutely destroyed bad teams this year. They are not, I know that they have these stretches every game where they're like, Oh, they're not, they're letting teams back in the game. It's, it's an NBA team, dude. You're You're not going to just, it's very rare that you're just going to beat the absolute shit out of a team for 48 minutes. That's why when you win a game by like 30 or something, it's so it's, it's rare, right? It yeah. doesn't happen that often. So like um, they are handling their business. They are taking care of these teams at the end when you need to execute. And that says something about the quality of this team and, their professionalism and their preparation. <clears throat> I th- credit to Coach Tibbs. I mean, I agree. I, I think you do have to credit him, and I've been pretty like happy with him overall this season. I, I didn't like that he started Dante yesterday, uh, but I loved that he started Dante today, Dante today. I was worried he was going to start Hart, um, yeah. and so for him to like, it just shows me that you know I might not agree. I I don't agree with all his choices, but I do think that like. He's definitely consistently making better choices. And um, he's leaning in a little bit more to the versatility that this roster is affording him. So um, I I think he deserves a lot of credit. And, um, you know, the defense is a lot better. They're getting more turnovers. They're still ending possessions at a high rate. I mean, tonight, like, it said, like, they overcame the fact that Charlotte was, like, unconscious from three for some reason. Brandon Miller, this guy can't make a shot against anybody else in the fucking NBA. And against the Knicks, he turns into so Kevin Durant. Wrong. Yeah, he turns into Kevin Durant when he plays the Knicks. Um, but, like, it, it just, it's nice to 
uh, I'll put it this way. Like, it's nice that when the Knicks sucked for a good part of 20 years, we would be the Charlotte Hornets in a game like this. Yeah. And we would cut the lead to five with, you know, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And we would think, oh, man, we have a shot to win this game. Here we go. Let's get this win. And then they would bring in their best player. And that would be the end of the game. And that's what happened today. The Knicks were like, it was like an eight-point game. Tibbs brings back in Jalen, and that was it. The game was over right then. Like they had no shot. Um, it was just, it was just really, really professional, really clean on the second night of a back-to-back again. Um, handling your business against inferior opponent. I don't think anybody really got ran into the ground in these games. Um, so good on the good on the players, good on Tibbs. Yeah. <clears throat> Can we talk about Julius? Sure. Yeah, let's talk about Julius. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I thought I thought Julius was really funny tonight. Like he got he got his he got his N ones, and then you know he did his little did his little flex after. Um, I thought the double teams, specifically in the second half, were mediocre at best. Like the way he managed them was mediocre. I thought the decision making was slow again for the most part, especially on one uh, kind of in the in the middle beginning of the fourth quarter, he just let himself get trapped in the corner, which is dumb. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm not trying to do the same song and dance, right? Like, I hate to to beat a dead horse, but. It's like the only thing holding us back from me getting off an egregious take about us like making the finals or something. <clears throat> I mean, all I'll say is this: like, I think there's something to when we played the Hawks. I thought the fourth quarter you played in that game was about as good as it can be. Um, he was awesome in that fourth quarter. I do think that when he plays a team that he just doesn't respect against, like with a player he doesn't respect, he has a habit of trying to like force the issue at times. He doesn't really need to, uh, in that fourth quarter, when we were kind of separating from them, the only moments where they were able to have any success was it felt like when Julius was trying to do a little bit too much and would turn the ball over. Um, and then they would get out in transition. Right. I don't really know, like, is it if it's worth even talking about because it is what it is. Like, he's either going to figure it out or he's not. And I mean, I've planted my flag on in on the hill of I don't think he will. But there's really nothing to debate. The guy's a tenth year vet. He's either going to do it or he won't so do crazy. it, and we'll move on with it. Like, there's there's really I don't know. It, I I I totally understand what you're saying, and I agree. Like, if you could trust him consistently. As a decision maker, forget the shooting. Just as a decision maker, um, I think, I think this team would be probably seen even by general consensus a lot more seriously than than we are currently. But um, it is what it is. Like, yeah, that that's 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 something that is more of a long term issue because as it is as it stands right now, I don't think there's a chance in hell the Knicks are going to trade him um, in season. To be honest, I don't really see the Knicks doing anything in season that involve like our main guys, just because the players that, I mean, I've, I've thought this all summer. Like, I thought it was stupid when we signed Dante. People were like, "Oh, like, what's gonna happen now?" And I'm like, "They're gonna have Dante replace Obi, and we'll all move on with our lives because D- Obi, bless his heart, 
love him. Hope he uh, wish him all the best in Indiana. He is not a good defender, and he is not a good rebounder. Or at least at the at the very least, he's not an impact defender or an impact rebounder. And Dante is both of those things. <clears throat> um, I never cared about the size thing. I thought that was stupid. Um, size doesn't matter, Ishwin. Yep, that's what she said um, <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like I, I just it was I don't know. Like I, I just think people are always trying to like assume the Knicks are about to make this big swing. Like, oh, what does it mean? Oh, quickly didn't get extended. Is he going to get traded right this second? Like, I no, I, I don't think so. They want to win ball games. This yeah. team wants to win ball games. It is very hard to look at the rotation right now and tell me what trade you can make that a hundred percent improves this roster in season. It is very hard. And on top of that, it's also very hard to be like, well, what if we traded Fournier with like a protected pick or two for an actual useful player? And it's like, yeah, look, I don't totally hate that idea, but is that player going to get minutes? And if they're not, what's the point? I don't know. And, and she went like, <laughs> not like this is kind of a, kind of a cashman quote that I'm going to drop on you, but like you need a trade partner to make a trade. Yeah. So like going up and down the league, Chicago, like is Patrick Williams, somebody we're going to trade for who, who needs to get extended? Probably not. I mean, maybe that might be actually the most likely guy, but does Utah have anybody? Probably not. Do the Clippers have anybody? They're not going to sell like that. There's nothing to really go after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that also what... makes the makes the the people who are like, oh, why do we trade for Josh Hart thing? Look, look even worse. Look, if you again, if you are upset that the Knicks are trying to win basketball games because you don't think that's like prudent roster construction, planning, whatever, towards the end goal of winning a championship. Not going to lie to you. Um, I don't really understand that. Like, so you're saying, like, you're basically suggesting that the Knicks should do nothing until they have a certified top two, three, four, five player who's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer um, and is on par or at least can be in the conversation with, like, Nikola Jokic or Giannis or Steph or LeBron. And, like, I'm sorry, that's just... Not feasible. It's 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 not it's it's cowardly. It's cowardly. It is um, it is fake. It's it's faux intelligence. It is it is it is acting sophisticated about team building and pretending there is a hundred percent accurate and hundred percent guaranteed way to go about winning uh, and competing at the highest levels in the NBA. That is just not true and isn't based on facts of any kind. Um, That stuff is like trying, like you're trying so hard to be smart that you're just being stupid. I mean, it's also like, why like you're miserable about this Knicks, these Knicks, these, these Knicks who have no rotation player under the age of 28 years old. These Knicks who have all of their, over the age of 20. Yeah. yeah, Nobody over the age of 20. Correct. Um, These Knicks who have, Four of the five, the nine guys in the rotation are players they've drafted and developed. Like these Knicks who who signed Jalen Brunson to a, um, you know, below market value contract. All, you can go on and on. If you're miserable about these Knicks, I, I man, I'm really happy I wasn't talking to you in like 2007. 
say that like or like 2015 or like 2019 or any fucking year basically in the last 20 um i could throw a dart at and i'd be like oh i'd be i'm very happy that i wouldn't i didn't know you then or i didn't talk to you then or i had no access to like your thoughts at that point in time um this is like a good team it's a well-constructed roster is it perfect no do they still have work to do yes do i think they're going to win the championship this year no i don't so like if if the only thing's going to please you as a championship then go fuck yourself i don't know what to tell you like it sounds pretty miserable um there's things like i'm sorry like sports is supposed to be fun rooting for your team is supposed to be fun i had this team has a lot of players that i think are fun to root for yeah. um and even somebody like julius randall who infuriates me to no end uh i can appreciate how good he is and how impactful he can be i can appreciate that while not necessarily being of the opinion that like we can win a championship like or we like it's it, it, like i have to like you can't operate every second of every game of every season being like well can this team win a championship like if that's the only thing that's going to give you joy i don't know then just stop watching sports or like i don't know go root for like the chiefs or something like i, I don't know bro the thing that like I, I get kind of angry about this is when lakers fans post those lineups from like their their dark times before lebron got there and it was like you know robert sacray and whoever else it was, the fuck it was, was like there. they were down for a good Six or seven years, Con. So. Yeah, six, six or seven <laughs> years. Oh, oh, and then, and then my entire fucking childhood, besides 2012, I had to watch Alexei Shved and Samuel Dallenbear and the fucking corpse of Jarrett Jack. Okay, and then I had, to, I had to watch Ramon Sessions. Okay, and Lance Thomas, and and I had to watch a million other fucking bums, and I see people hating on this Knicks team that as of today, after this game, is on pace to win 50 games. After we've played the Celtics twice and lost both times, after RJ has missed three games, after Randall, it just looked like he didn't know what he was doing for the first eight I, or so I still, games. I, and I still don't think Randall is all the way back yet. Like, I, and I, I, I have a feeling that, like, um, <clears throat> so if you watch the Hawks game and you will go back yesterday, watch the Wizards game again, he started off both those games awesome. I mean, I thought the first quarter of the Wizards game – was about as good a quarter as I've ever seen him play. I mean, he was totally in command of everything. And then he, like, kind of went, like, in the in the Hawks game, I thought he kind of went quite a little bit in the second and third quarter, but then he was able to get it back in the fourth. Against the Wizards, I just thought after the first quarter, he wasn't very good. Um, and I, I think with him, you see a very direct line between, like, how he feels physically and his decision-making and his approach and I think those are very, very linked. So, like, watching him tonight, it I was like, all right, he's probably still getting his legs underneath him. Second night of a back-to-back, he's not really moving great, kind of making dumb decisions a lot. I, I, I don't think he's close to I, not maybe not. I don't. I wouldn't say he's not close, but he's not 100% right now yet still. Yeah. And we're 8-5. and five. And, like, yeah, you can tell me, well, you should beat the Wizards and Hornets. Yeah, and we did. So what's the issue? Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And we, and we, beat, we beat the Hawks without – RJ and we closed that game without Grimes, right? Like, so we've won games and to your point, like, yeah, guys in this games, guys have not been hundred uh, percent. I, I don't even think Josh Hart was hundred percent when we started the season. And only now do I feel like he, he's got that kind of oomph back in his game and he's playing with force again. He wasn't hesitating today, which was cool for the most yeah. part. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. This uh, <laughs> Hawkeye 420 can't believe he went, Four and one in such a terribly scheduled week. Injuries, refs, back to backs, and they still played great. 
NBA trying to bury us early, they will not yep. succeed. Uh, it's like the the Tom, the Tom Brady GIF. <laughs> We're still here. We're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hate how good of it. Like it's so good, and I hate that because it's Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, but it is that's like an all time all time one. Uh, Oh, yeah, here's good. Nah, nah, con matching the Schwinn Rans energy. Someone post the Kobe Shaq vid. I think dude, do you guys of... watch Strictly NFL, bro? All I do is talk is, dude, I get into, especially the first week. I, I had the craziest rant of my life the first episode. Yeah, but the thing is, then you're like, you're like, oh, so then I looked at the All 22 film and uh, I broke down the left guard's pulling <laughs> technique. Did and, really, and then I wasn't so mad. Yeah, he actually did pretty well when I look back at it. Uh, also, no. Caleb Williams. I got yeah. the fur on for Caleb. Let me tell you something. That USC team is a fucking joke. They're uh, fucking anyway. yeah. yeah, they're, they're terrible. And it's funny. People are like, oh, they should fire Lincoln Riley. I'm like, let me tell you something about contracts and money. Uh, they can't fire Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. You know they gave Lincoln Riley around-the-clock use of yeah. their family their jet, private right? jet? Yeah. <laughs> all, all for him to not make them a top 25 team. Who knows? Uh, but to bring it back to this game, uh, this is not Sorry. strictly <laughs> this is not strictly NCAA football. Uh, but, like, I mean, just looking at his box score, I, I know that um, I think Nick's tape said it earlier, but, like, DiVincenzo, three steals and a block. Uh, that steal he had in transition on LaMelo was incredible, where he read him throwing a behind-the-back pass. And just jumped in in the in the passing lane. That was incredible. Uh, Josh Hart three steals. Mitchell Robinson four blocks tonight. Uh, even like and like look, we can sit here and say things about Julius, like Julius Randall, right? Even even amid his bad decision making stuff, like seven assists. You know, like seven assists tonight. Barnson eight assists. Like it, it's just nice when you look at a box score and you see, oh, even though RJ and Quick didn't have great games, like you're getting all these other guys to produce and. And it, it's it's still okay, you know. They had twenty seven assists tonight on uh, on forty six made shots. Like this team, that's good. been a common theme for us in a lot of games, and that's it's such a big improvement from last year. Yeah, I think. Uh, look again, I, I've always said this. Like, if your expectation is for the like a Tibbs team to all of a sudden be running like b- beautiful, flowing Warriors offense, like, uh, I, sorry, bud, like it's not going to happen. <laughs> but if you are actually watching this team this year and you think they're running the same exact offense they did last year, I totally disagree with that. I think they're 100% trying to move the ball more. I think they are trying to play faster. I'm not saying they're always successful, uh, especially not with the pace, but I do think they're moving the ball more. I do think they have better movement in the half court, which is probably related to playing more mobile lineups, right? Uh, less rigidity. Uh, I'm not, not that Obi himself was – Obi was always active, right? He was an active player off ball. But I think there's a, just a more – natural fluidity when you play this many perimeter guys and then the other part um is is just like i think you know uh, this team offensively like they're playing well because they're shooting well they still are not playing like they're not shooting well inside the arc and they're shooting so poorly inside the arc that you can't tell me that like it's it's such an outlier it has to improve it will improve um, so like, there's a lot of reason to believe this team is still, you know, it still has plenty, plenty of upside to explore. Um, 
and you know, I, also I guess got to say I thought Deuce looked good tonight when his, in his limited minutes. I thought he looked up fine yesterday too, and he played a little bit. Um, but this is a good team, man, and and I think this team has a lot more upside than a lot of Knicks fans want to give them credit for. And certainly, I think the way that a lot of national um, media guys, analysts, whatever, uh, really look at them for. I, I mean, you're right. And I, I spoke earlier about how we're pacing for 50 wins, right? I mean, now at this point, I, I have no clue who Don Cheney is. I'm sorry. Um, Don Cheney was uh, the coach after Jeff Van Gundy quit, and he was not great. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and then, uh, so so we were on pace for 50 wins. I said all that other shit about what we've been going through. Like, if we get to 54 wins, I'm not surprised. Like, I think we can push for potentially even and even like 55, 56. I don't think that's crazy for us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. This team is just – they don't have – like, again, so this is, this is what's beautiful about this team, right? Quick, tonight, 4 of 11, 9 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist. Just didn't, didn't have a good game. R.J. Barrett, 5 of 15, 15 points. Three rebounds, three assists. Not really a great game. And even with that, you know, he can... Oh, RJ, you don't really got it tonight? 26 minutes. Quick, you don't really got it tonight? 23 minutes. Oh, Josh, you're playing good? 29 minutes. DiVincenzo, you're playing good? 28 minutes. Like, he can move the sliders up and down on various players on any given night. Yeah. Now, is he always going to do that? Is he always going to nail those decisions? I would be surprised. Like we have, like we. I mean, I'm being realistically like not just him, but most coaches. They're not going to nail all those decisions. Yeah. But the fact that he, he at least has those options, and that we're seeing evidence of like he's willing to like, you know, dial it up or dial it down given on a given night. That's a good sign. You know, that's what you want to see on a team like this because their versatility is kind of the key to what will make this team tick or not tick. Um, and and then you know. I, the continuity is great. Alan Hahn, actually, I don't know if this is true. I would assume it is because he said it very confidently. Uh, he mentioned today on the post game, <clears throat> no team in the NBA returned as many, like as much of its offense. So I'm assuming he meant points per game mm, as the Knicks okay. did from last year. 93%, 93% of the points per game returned uh, from last season or points scored, I'm assuming. So like the continuity is real and it's almost like, I don't know how to like really explain this, but it feels like even though DiVincenzo is new, he's not. It's kind of like when we got Hart last year. I was like, he's new, but he may as well have just like always been here. Like it, it just makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's good, there's good connectivity. Obviously, it helps that he has an established rapport with Brunson and Hart, and I think you could see that in those minutes those guys have played together this year. Um, but like, it's only going to get better with other guys, and it's huge for him to hit those threes that he did tonight from like those passes from Julius because Julius will trust him and he'll be more willing to make those passes. So like, it's, it's really good. Uh, by the way, um, just a fun fact about Don Chaney, when he got fired, he got escorted out of the building by security. Uh, Isaiah Thomas made sure to like that. Up. Shout That's, out Isaiah. Like, like that gif of when like stone cold just got finished beating the shit out of Vince McMahon and they had like the security guards like arrest him. <laughs> Like, like like that like it, it was like I, I mean i don't know i i just remember it was like a big deal at that time um i, I had something i want oh and then for for uh building off of that alan Hanstadt, i wonder 
forget points. I wonder how many minutes we returned from last year. Because aside from Evan, right, and Obi. And Rose at the start of the year. Sure, yeah. Deuce's minutes are back, whatever those were. Uh, Sims still here. And then we got Dante eating up, what, 25 minutes a game. So 25 over 82 game season. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of math right now. A thousand. It's going to be about like 2,000 something minutes. Yeah, probably. So well, I'm impressed I did that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, a, not a math major. I'm a football, football guy. Um, Schwinn, tell me who these people are. Michael. <laughs> Michael Doliak <laughs> is like, he's like, you remember Jason Smith? Yes, yes. He's like Jason. Jason. He's like Jason. I, I actually really like Jason Smith. Why do you really like Jason Smith? He was he was like the Fucking first awesome? stretch. He was like the first stretch big I ever watched play. I was like, dude, this guy's insane. He yeah, I loved him stretching the floor out to nineteen feet. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like he he was basically Jason Smith. Uh, and Clarence Weatherspoon is like Grant Williams, but terrible. Gotcha. Like actually terrible at everything. So, uh, so yeah. Grant Williams. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, like if Grant, like, like, actually, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, but like actually just terrible. That that would be him. Um, Speaking of Grant Williams, the, the Giannis stopper himself is holding Giannis to twenty points and eight rebounds in the first half of that Mavericks Bucks game. So money well spent. Oh wow! Yes, uh, I forgot that game was even on because I was. Uh, I, I have. I can't stop watching the bulls i just can't stop watching them you know they play good they, you like how they play basketball right you're, you're a big yeah fan. It, they're just really fun to watch uh no i watched their like end of their game last night after we played i can't stop watching this game right now they're playing the heat in like the terrorism bowl um <laughs> and uh, it's 48 to 40 with 38 seconds left in the first half i mean who wouldn't want to watch that instead of uh <laughs> instead of Fucking Giannis and Luca, but I I do need uh my Spurs to come through tonight. I will say that. Well, they're up fourteen. I just saw them. I know. I know. I know. And one that, by that is tragic. But like, I mean, look, this is this is I, I to bring it back to the Knicks. Talking about all these teams, um, like I, I find it weird where the conversation of the Knicks exists because you have this idea of like, well, you know, they didn't um. They haven't made a big move yet, okay? So they get criticized for that. But then you, they also get criticized for like, well, you know, um, they're stuck in purgatory and they're never going to get better. And it's like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, if they haven't made their big move, then aren't you suggesting that they still have a chance to make their big move? So they're not stuck in purgatory? Like, I don't really know. And like, why are we assuming everybody in their team, like nobody can get better? given the ages that they're operating in, like I, that's always weird. Um, and, and like, when you look at it, like these teams, like, you know, Chicago made their big aggressive moves. They went for it and look at them. They're a fucking shit show. You know, they're a mess. And, you know, you look at a team like, um, like, like, uh, uh, fucking, why am I blanking right now? Memphis. Okay. And I, I understand a lot of this Memphis stuff is not, entirely their fault right like i don't know how much you can blame them for job being insane i don't know you obviously the injuries and all that stuff is not great but like even adams yeah you can't always predict that stuff right it's just not fair and it's not accurate at the same time 
like they've wasted four first round picks. So like when you, and, and I think this is the thing that people never accept is I've seen people be like, well, they the Knicks are punting on the draft the last two years. And it's like, well, one, is it really punting on the draft? If you traded out, got three protected first and you did that. So you could sign Jalen Brunson. Is that punting? Or is that just like not using the draft the way everybody like that people typically use a draft um, last year, they didn't punt on the draft. Okay. They traded their first round pick for Josh Hart because, and they probably assumed, which all of us assumed that they would still have a first round pick because we all assumed Dallas would not be a fucking tire fire and they would, their pick would convey. That didn't happen. That's not, the, that's not their fault. And also like, and just and making a pick, just making a pick doesn't guarantee that player is going to be good. Yeah, it doesn't guarantee that. Yes. Look at Memphis. Memphis has drafted Laravia, Aldama. Uh, they traded DeAnthony De- Melton, an actual good player, to get the pick that's David Roddy, who fucking sucks. Zaire Williams, he, look, it's very early in his career. It's his third year. It does not look great for him. He's a 10th overall pick. He looks awful. You know, like, so making picks does not, what does that mean? Oh, so they made a pick that you get a fucking gold star for that? Yeah. Oh, you made a pick. Great job. The Warriors have made a bunch of picks. How do you feel about their young core? Yeah, you, you're like die big fucking James Wiseman fan who's no longer there. I like my Moses Moody, but Moses Moody is not some like significant needle mover at this point in time. You know, well, Kaminga. I like Kaminga. We don't know. We don't know what Kaminga is or isn't. So like, and I I think Kaminga they should absolutely give him more minutes. I think both those guys need more minutes. But my point is like, you don't know how any of these things are going to turn out. And so to only view it as like, well, they're punting on the draft. They don't care about youth. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. And it's like, you know, they might have two first round picks in this year's draft. If they draft those players now, does that mean if they draft guys and they keep them, like, does that now mean that they all of a sudden value the draft again? And they're all about like young players. Like it, it, it's just these weird sliding scales. And then the last one I want to bring up is like all this fucking bullshit CAA nonsense. Like, oh, the Knicks only wants clutch. Uh, Levine doesn't want to come here. He's clutch. And C- like Berman said something, right? Oh, the CAA Knicks. Knicks have two fucking guys on the roster that are CAA clients right now, by the way. Two. Two. Julius Randle left CAA. He's with WME now. So, like, this idea the Knicks... Oh, but at first it wasn't It wasn't just... Remember, it was Kentucky guys. Now now it's... Oh, well, it, it's actually CAA guys. And now, soon enough, it's going to be like, oh, well, people that are... Uh, they didn't draft. Like it just—it's all bullshit, man. Like, I think if, if you're so desperate to be down on this team and be miserable about it, be you a fan or are immaculate uh, beat writers like Stefan Bondi, who um, got owned today, tried to make a joke about the Giants' quarterback situation, and Steve Popper owned him. I think on it. What did he say? Popper made some comment about like he saw a lot of jerseys in the crowd Knicks jerseys and he's like I also saw Marvin Harrison Jr. jersey for the Giants fans and then I think Bondi replied and was like don't you need a quarterback for that first and I think Popper was just like no <laughs> <laughs> no you don't actually we should try watching Marvin Harrison Jr. buddy he plays with no quarterback right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, well I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna Cut it off here so we don't make it strictly NCAA again. <laughs> but um, I mean, if Schwinn, if we like traded for Luca and Giannis and Embiid, it, the the beat would be like, oh, 
do the Knicks only trade for international guys? Like, right. Um, maybe we need some, some more, you know, we need some more native, uh, you know, native or whatever you the fuck you want to call it. Like, you know, non-immigrant players on this ball club. <laughs> What's Leon Rose doing? Yeah. He hates, he hates the hardworking American. Is that, is that what Leon Rose is all about? Like, that's what the, that's what the narrative would be. And it's like, no, they got players from good programs who play hard, are athletic, have skills, and have played good ball before, and they just fucking drafted them. It's not that hard. Like, that's that's what every other good team in this league does. And then they supplement. They get Deuce from West Virginia, right? I believe that's where he was from. Yes. Um, shout out Coach Huggins. <laughs> I don't know. Let's not shout out Coach Huggins, though. <laughs> I don't know if we want to be shouting out Coach Huggins here. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I think I think I saw Deuce like shout him out at some point on like an IG post or something. Oh jeez, a couple months ago, and I was just like, no comment. Don't no do, comment. don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so you know they got him. Hartenstein is like the only guy who uh, and Mitch, um, who like really didn't come from from great programs, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, common. Common Knicks beat L. That's all I really have to say. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. The, the discourse on this team is always stupid, but it's like somehow become more stupid now that they're good. And I'm like, wait, you like, it's still bad? Like, you're you're still mad that we're like that? So it has nothing to do with anything. It's just, you're just mad about the team in general. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's like people, I don't get why you want to be so miserable at this team or why people are. Anyway, forget people. Um, What did you, uh, what did you think of, uh, I know we talked a little bit about Josh Hart, but like, what have you thought about him? I mean, tonight, and then just like, do you feel like, because I think he's been playing a lot better over this past week. Like I actually even thought in the Celtics game, I know a lot of people didn't care for his performance in that game. I actually thought he played well. Um, and Jason Tatum made a bunch of tough shots, but like I, he actually shot pretty well in that game. Uh, and he just seems like he's moving. Like you mentioned, he's moving better. He's moving aggressively. Even was it the last game where he took a quick corner three, almost on the first shot of possession of the, of the game and he missed it. But I was just like, I'm very happy to see you. Yeah. I'm like, you didn't hesitate at all. You just pulled the trigger. Um, so that was, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I like what I've seen from him uh, physically the last couple of games. I think he's moving the way you expected him and, and honestly, quite frankly, need him to. Yeah, I think we need to put a bar on Team USA participation. As fun <laughs> as that was, I don't want to see it ever again unless it's like for, I don't know, quick, maybe Grimes. Grimes needs to work. Like, 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 like Grimes play – as like the fifteenth man next year, let's let's do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Hart's just. I also feel like if there's a guy in this team to take a day off, like I would, I would have no complaints if that was Josh Hart. <laughs> he, he just, dude, he he'll like have no shot at a loose ball, and he'll run through like a brick wall and be like, "Fuck, that hurt." 
I tried, coach. <laughs> like, like that's just who he is. And 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 in all respect to him, I feel like Divincenzo is like that too. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Heart, heart is like different. Yeah. Like heart plays with like, like a like, a, like a football player. Yeah. <laughs> like like what he does stupid shit and doesn't think twice. And you're like, all right. I mean, cool. Heart, heart plays like he was. He he like loved being a. Uh, in the box safety. Like that's how he played. Oh, like yeah. he, just like, oh yeah, no, we're, this is a pass. This is a passing down. No, that's it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard um I heard Jordan I wonder Josh if he played Hart. football. I mean probably. But yeah. I heard Josh Hart is the Jordan Poyer replacement. Any any sources I, on that? I don't know, but he's younger than Poyer, so maybe. Uh, but look, I, I just like where he again I I always baffles me when he's like because he's six four and you see him standing there and you're like wait so you really are just like the same height as quickly basically like, yeah this is so weird um but yeah like i i think you know it's only been 13 games so we are about what just over 10 percent of the way into the season about like 12 13 percent of the way maybe 12 percent let's call it uh into the way into the season uh I, all the concerns about like <clears throat> The size, the size yeah. and the rebounding. I think we can safely put those to bed. Now, are there situations where you would probably want um, a bigger wing option? Um, so this is, bro, why does Schwinn look at my offside tea guy? That is racist. We're not all Indian, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm but, waiting for somebody to say I look like a, like a food cart vendor. <laughs> God, man. For some reason, I just want some spot of it now. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, they, they're, they're killers on the glass. They're the best rebounding team in the league. They're number two in offensive and defensive rebound percentage coming into tonight's game. And I don't think that would have changed much. Um, they're a really good defense. And, like, yes, again, I mean, you saw it, right? Against Boston, there were some that some of the Jason Tatum shots are just like, yeah, maybe if the guy was taller, he'd have... but guess what? RJ Barrett didn't play that game. RJ Barrett is a bigger wing than Josh Hart. Wouldn't quite say he is a big wing, but he is a bigger wing than Josh Hart. He's defended Tatum pretty well. Um, and quite honestly, if Randall would just try harder on defense, guess what? He would be your big wing defender. Jo- like Julius Randall would be your big wing defender. So um, do we still need a guy like that? Sure. But can we like, you can't fix all of your problems in one moment in time. It takes years. It does take years. This is not unique to the Knicks or you. Every team takes years to develop into eventually winning a championship. You know, like Nikola Jokic won MVP one. What was the first year he won it? 2021. 20, yeah. And, and they didn't win. And they didn't win a championship until 2023. Yeah. You know, like just, it, it takes time. Even when you have a stud player like that, it takes time. Um, so the Knicks absolutely still need stuff. But the broad strokes issues that people were concerned about, they don't exist, man. Like, they don't. This team is going to be good on defense. They're going to be a monster on the glass on both ends of the floor. Um, they're probably going to end up being a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense at the end of the season. And and don't look now, but they are right now a top 10 three-point shooting team in the NBA. And I do think DiVincenzo is only going to add to that. Um, as he gets going. And I, I, I don't think this is totally unsustainable. You know, like Randall has not even shot the ball well yet. Um, Like 
quickly has been a little up and down. RJ is getting back from injury. I know RJ has been really up, but guess what? Uh, his percentage will come down after tonight. So uh, it is more believable, I guess, than the 50% he was shooting from three. But like there, there's just plenty of dudes. There's plenty of scope for improvement up and down the roster. And, and I don't know. It, it's, it's, we can at least, we should at least be able to uh, say when it seems the front office, the decisions they made and the bets they made have paid off the way you would have hoped them to, to pay off. And uh, yeah. I mean, the, the thing, as I was listening to you say that, I was like, even if teams don't, or uh, fans, I should say, don't know where that, that upgrade's going to come from, I had no clue that Josh Hart was going to be a target. I, before we signed him in for agency, I had no clue we were going to go after Hartenstein, who, by the way, I, I know I texted you about this um, like a week ago or something. Maybe you don't go overboard to bring him back because Mitch can play 30 minutes a night now pretty consistently. <laughs> but, man, like, I, I kind of don't even care what it costs to bring him back, man. Like, to a certain degree, I kind of just – three years, $45 million, if, if we have to. I mean, I know it's going to affect the second apron and stuff, and then you might get really limited there before you even make the big trade. But – if we can manage that under the apron and then keep that second apron move to um, simply when we make this, you know, the big fish trade. I mean, man, it, it, that's, that's, that's when you really hit a home run. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. Like I can't pretend that I, I mean, I, I do have a, an understanding of the different, you know, first apron, second apron, the ramifications of those. The best way I'll put it is this though. Like, if you don't have a big star trade available to you to make this off off season or whatever, I don't think you can let a player like him walk just because it may restrict you from making a trade for the type of guy that you want to make down the line. Like you can't let him walk for a hypothetical, you know, if yeah. he walks, if he walks because he gets a better offer and a team offers him a starting spot or whatever, then, okay, then you can't do anything about that. But you've got to at least try to keep him, I think. Unless unless you like some other, you know, you know, maybe there's another Hartenstein that you like that's in the market that you get you can get for cheaper. But, like, I agree. Like, how many guys like that do you even see, right? Like, how often does that happen? The guy is – um a starting caliber center who plays backup for us. And the big thing to me is like, he seems like a really popular dude on the team in the locker room, whatever him and Mitch are buddies. Like, I mean, in the fan base too. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, when I, I think a big part of this team, a big piece of this team that's worked is like, they have good chemistry and they seem to get along. Um, Hartenstein is part of that. And, you know, guys that, Look, the guy sucked to start last year, remember? And we were all, like, shitting on him. And he didn't say anything. He just kind of kept going out there and doing what he could. And then he, you know, reveals, like, a couple months later, like, yeah, you know, I had a sore Achilles, and I was just out there trying to gut it out. But, like, guys like that are invaluable, man. Like, he's trying to gut it out for you, um, for your team. That that has to count for something. Guys like that help set an example. They help set a tone. They help create the culture um, that I think the Knicks – have created and 
Um, the thing with culture is like, once you create it, it doesn't mean that it's done. Like you don't, oh, we created it, it's done. We don't do it. Like, no, it's a constant thing. You have to constantly be investing into that with the players you bring in, with the, how you operate as a team, as an organization, what, what, like what you value, all those things have to, it's always a work in progress. So like, I'm not saying you can't lose Hartenstein, but I, you can't lose him for the hypothetical. Oh, well, if we do sign him and this guy comes available in six months, then it would be very hard for us to like, no, that that's bullshit, dude. Like you can't operate like that. You gotta, you gotta keep pieces that help you win ball games. Um, and the Knicks are now in a position where like, they can't really afford to take a step back because a step back doesn't even do much for you. Right. It's not like, well, if we take a step back, that'll actually like put us in contention for like a top five lottery pick or something. Like if we take a step back, we'll probably still be a playing team. So I would say if we take a step back, then you risk the narrative of like, Oh, you know, the Knicks were good in 2020 and they fooled us. And then we thought they were good again and they fooled us again. And then you get into like a, can we ever buy into these guys type thing? So, so you, you can take a step back. And this is probably the hardest part now of the rebuild of the rebuild, right? Because like, we got the top four seed in 2020. Who cares? You were still in talent acquisition phase. Um, last year, talent acquisition. This offseason, talent acquisition. And you were really always going to be there until you get that that guy to kind of, you know, elevate you like we were talking about. But the avenues are kind of, uh, what's the word? They're, it's kind of drying out, right? Like we use the MLE. Um our, our picks, the projected picks are look not looking like they're going to convey because the Wizards and Pistons are so garbage. So this is going to be the hardest part for this front office moving forward, you know, of everything they've done from the time they came in and they traded Marcus Morris for Emmanuel quickly to probably the end of their tenure here. Like this is the inflection point. Yeah, it's hard to, this is like the hard part to negotiate. And honestly, this apron shit being in, like instituted now is really fucking annoying because if it didn't exist and there'd really be nothing to talk about, it'd be like, yeah, definitely pay to keep Hardenstein. Like it costs James Dolan money. Okay. Fuck that. Like, I don't give a shit. Like he built, he built an electric ball in Las Vegas. Like, (laughs) yeah, well he lost a lot of money on that right now. So hopefully serious. Well, it's right now. I mean, right. It's a massive investment he put in. So yeah, um, they're obviously, operating at a loss at the moment but anyway um i think yeah, lebron like, um implemented the second apron to fuck over the knicks <laughs> maybe uh yeah he was look we'll see um all right any any uh final thoughts about this game Con? Before we get out of here? um final thoughts the knicks play uh they played minnesota actually, on, on, on monday right yeah in minnesota um awesome schedule by the way really really happy with this yeah thanks Thanks, Commissioner Silver Lib. I, I I think I will say I, I want Dante in the starting lineup. Um, I, I think I'm gonna put that out there. Like I think that's my that's my take. You're there. That's where you are. It's nothing Grimes did. It's not you, Grimes. It's it's it's, it's Dante type thing. Yeah, I don't hate it. I actually wonder if like he'd benefit from that Grimes. Like I, I feel like he might benefit from coming off the bench, but um, I don't think that's crazy. I just, it was the wizards and the, the Hornets, you know, and we did beat the Hornets a couple of days ago or, or like last week with Grimes and we did it pretty convincingly. I don't know. It's, 
it would be it would be very um i feel like that's premature premature and i don't know it just feels like you're tossing away a thing that you know works even against the best teams in the league over a really long sample of time you know we've seen this um whereas this is like well you played the two worst teams in the league and this worked (laughs) really well so let's keep it i don't know it's it just seems a little extreme to me but Mm -hmm. uh, i guess we'll see um all right we're gonna end this there it's not really much more to talk about and honestly it's Saturday night. Nobody wants to sit here and talk to like listen to us talk. <laughs> uh, check out all of uh, all of our work at Strickland. We have a Patreon. Definitely give that a uh, a look. Different tier: six dollar tier, nine dollar tier. If you do the nine dollar tier, you get to see Khan's face even more on Strictly NFL. Um, yes, and I will have a haircut for the for the next episode. Oh wow! Wow, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the hard sell right there. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, yeah, look, um, you know, there's that. Got the if you haven't done so already, please hit the like button. That'd be a huge help to us. Uh, thanks for everybody that was in here tonight. Thanks for everybody uh, that was in here last night, uh, even though I wasn't. All right, that is our show for today. I hope everybody has a great rest of the weekend. Um, aside from Jets fans, and uh, I will and, see. And don't waste your time watching the Giants tomorrow. I'll Who just let playing? me let me take that that medicine for everybody. Who are they playing? Commanders. Oh yeah, good massive luck. game for the tank. We got to lose. Yeah, I could see, I could see this being an annoying wink dials up a perfect blitz type of game. Uh, I don't want to talk about that reality. <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> All right, everybody have a good night, and uh, we'll probably see you on Monday. <clears throat> You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.